I'm David Old, and this is episode six of Dual Citizens. lots to talk about today. In a moment we'll talk about political advertising in Australia and do some theological thinking a bit deeper on what it means to live in the end times. But first, the Winter Olympics are over and they've left a couple of interesting stories. I particularly enjoyed the curling, yes I have, but perhaps the biggest story was the tale of Camilla Valieva. Camilla is a 15-year-old girl who I think it's fair to say is the most amazing thing we've seen in ice skating in a long time, ranked number one in the world. She is the 2022 European champion, the 2021 Rostelecom Cup champion, the 2021 Skate Canada International champion, the 2022 Russian national champion. She got the silver medal the year before in Russia and she is also now um, a 2022 Olympic champion in her team event. Well, sort of, because her story gets a bit interesting. During the recent Winter Olympics, news arrived that a drug sample she gave back in December tested positive for the stamina-enhancing substance trimetazidine, which the team later claimed was taken from her father's heart medication. That's actually what it is for people who have angina. Now, I don't know about you, but in our house, we don't mix up our medications so easily. But there you go. Cynical? Well, perhaps, but possibly there's more going on here. Uh, In the years since revelations of widespread doping in track and field came to light in late 2014, multiple investigations have revealed state-sponsored doping programs in Russia that ran, it said, from 2011 to 2015 and involved more than 1,000 athletes in at least 30 different sports. In 2019, the World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA, barred Russia from participating in global competitions for four years. Uh, Russia appealed that ruling in the Court of Arbitration for Sport and in 2020 had the suspension cut down to two years. Uh, The verdict means that Russian athletes are currently unable to compete under their country's name, flag and national anthem at major international sporting events until December the 16th later this year. And so Russian athletes competed under the acronym ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee, at both the Tokyo 2020 and Beijing 2022 Olympics. Now, this team still bears the country's colors of white, blue and red, but under a flag that features those colors in an Olympic flame placed above the five Olympic rings. So what's changed? Well, if the alleged drug issue for Valieva is anything to go by, perhaps very little. Uh, And indeed, because of that, uh, none of the medals have been awarded yet for the um, events that she competed in. What's, What's also not changed is the immense pressure some countries' programs put their young female athletes under. In one of now famous scenes, Valieva, um, after this whole drugs thing got um, announced, she messed up uh, one of her routines, the, the free skate, missing several jumps and, and falling several times. Weeping as she left the ice, having failed to medal, she was then confronted by her visibly frustrated coach, I think that's an understatement, who demanded, why did you let it go? Why did you stop fighting? And all of this live on the world's TV screens. Often these athletes are given one chance to win a gold medal until they're discarded for another younger athlete. Uh, They're chosen for their lighter frame due to not being fully developed adults that have gone all the way through puberty. 
the famous ice skating school in Moscow, the, the, the Sambo 70 Club, has had a string of Russian athletes come out in wheelchairs, damaged backs, and reports of emotional abuse. And, and surely it makes the dual citizen reflect on what it means to raise and lead children, let alone lead in this sort of endeavor. You see, what strikes you most when we open the scriptures is that children, like all those in our care, are to be cherished and looked after. I hear some classic texts, Psalm 127 from verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. So they're a gift from God to be cherished. Uh, that said, there is a responsibility to raise them well. So Proverbs 22:6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. So we do have to point them in one direction. Uh, more broadly, Jesus, of course, welcomed children. Their simple acceptance of him is the model for us all. So famously, Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There is something beautiful about childlike acceptance, not childish, but childlike acceptance of Jesus. More broadly, Jesus has something to say to us about how we lead others. Perhaps most strikingly, there's his stern rebuke to the disciples in Mark chapter 10. Now, James and John have come to Jesus and, and basically they've asked for special treatment and privileges. Let's, uh, let's pick it up at verse 41, Mark 10 verse 41. When the 10, that's the other 10 from the 12, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You do suspect, however, they weren't angry with what they asked for, but so much that maybe James and John got in first. Anyway, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And it does appear, doesn't it, to be such a contrast to what the 15-year-old Valieva experienced. Her coaches weren't there to serve her. Quite the contrary. She was there to provide a service, and that service was a gold medal for Russia. So no wonder she's berated. She's failed in her job. Never mind she's only 15 years old. Mind you, with that kind of attitude, perhaps it's no surprise the doping scandal got so big. Reportedly, after the Olympic event, Valieva's teammate, Alexandra Trisova, who was 17, who won silver, was inconsolable. I hate skating, she said. I hate it. I hate this sport. I will never skate again. But I'm sure there's plenty more where she came from if she doesn't want to carry on. Now, it's easy, isn't it, for the dual citizen to shake our head in disgust, and, and we'd be right to, but let's not miss the warning for us. If we're outraged by the treatment of Valieva, treated as a servant, even as a commodity, that's there just to get gold for her country and then effectively discarded, perhaps even coerced into taking drugs to enhance her performance. And again, we'd be right to be outraged by all of that. Well, then let's not lose sight of our own responsibilities. So many of us will switch off this podcast and go back to our children or return to those that we have responsibility for. And the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that leadership of them is exactly, actually an act of service. Let's be encouraged to do just that. Now, back home here in Australia, things are slowly gearing up for a 
federal election that will happen by the end of May. And if you're at all excited about these things, you're getting pumped. Uh, one of the many politicians vying for our vote is the billionaire Clive Palmer. Palmer, by any measure, a controversial uh, figure, has spent more than $31 million since August on advertising for his political campaign. That is a lot of money. Uh, former appeal court judge and chair for public integrity, Anthony Wheely QC, described that sort of spending as, quote, obscene and dangerous for democracy. Palmer's party, the, the UAP, the United Australia Party, has spent more than 100 times more than Labour and Liberal, that's our two main parties here, across Metro TV, print, radio and digital. Uh, Labour, we're told, have spent 266,000, uh, the Liberal spending of 246,000 in the same time period that Palmer spent his 31 million. Uh, the UAP have also spent more than 6.7 million just on YouTube advertising, some ads costing them more than 100 grand a pop. Now, the UAP leader, Craig Kelly, has stated that the party is solely relying on Clive's deep pockets to finance this advertising blitz. Uh, the Australian Electoral Commission records show that Palmer's company, Mineralogy, tipped more than $80 million into the UAP's 2019 campaign. Despite this, they failed to win a single seat. Independent Senator Rex Patrick has called for limits on election campaign and advertising spending, where he stated Mr. Palmer was spending, quote, in an attempt to buy his way into a position of political influence. Uh, Sarah Keith, who's the managing director at advertising agencies involved media and active international Australia, she says that Clive does not saturate the market. She says the amount he's spent so far is the equivalent of the monthly spend of any one of the top five spending categories, including retail, insurance and quick service restaurants. His spend is across all media and so it's difficult to calculate weights. Now, what's been interesting is whether the UAP can actually get a fair hearing despite their enormous budget. Now, the, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age at Fairfax have run political ads for the UAP, but, but Nine Entertainment Company, for example, have declined to run ads that they claim contravene health advice or ATAGI guidance on vaccines. That old chestnut again. Uh, even more significantly, Palmer was due to give a speech at the National Press Club lunch on Tuesday. Now, normally, the publicly funded ABC has broadcast every such speech by other political leaders live. They make a point of it, but they chose not to do so with Palmer. Instead, they said they would delay it till 2 p.m. And the suggestion was that they would do that so they could then have control over what went out in case Palmer once again said something erroneous about vaccines or similar. However, a few days ago, we learned that Palmer had to pull out because of maybe ironically COVID-like symptoms. Uh, very lucky for him, perhaps. I'm sure he would have expected a grilling from the journalists. But it is interesting, isn't it? The ABC decides not to treat Palmer like everyone else because they think we won't like or even shouldn't hear what he has to say. But the dual citizen should expect, indeed perhaps demand more. Don't we actually want to stand for the freedom for everyone to make their case? We have of course dealt with these broader issues of freedom of speech here in previous episodes. So let's narrow down to, to Palmer himself. Now, now before we open up our Bibles, here, here's what strikes me about this situation. Uh, look, let me be frank. Frank, I, I, I'm no fan of Palmer, right? I, I don't think I agree with pretty much anything I've heard him say. 
but I agree less with the idea that we should silence him. The scriptures remind us that arguments, even those that we think might be wrong, still get to be measured on their own merits. So just as an example, in John 7, you see the Jewish leaders meeting to discuss the growing problem of Jesus. John 7 verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? In other words, let's hear him out. Let's, let's see all the evidence and then we can decide. The dual citizen seeks to be persuaded by the arguments, not by someone doing our thinking for us and even letting us know what we're allowed to be thinking about. Of course, perhaps one convincing argument against silencing Palmer is, frankly, it's unnecessary. For all the complaints about the outrageous amounts that he spends and the apparently disproportionate and distortionate influence that he can have, surely the results speak for themselves. $18 million spent on the last federal election. No seats. The electorate clearly don't need protecting from Palmer. They seem to have worked him out all on their own. But perhaps we do need protecting from those who think that we need protecting. Now, from time to time here at Dual Citizens, we want to concentrate a little bit more uh, just purely on theology. And so that's, that's what we're going to do now. Uh, a short while ago, I watched a great little video on the Facebook page of Martin Isles, who's the director of the Australian Christian Lobby. It was a clip from a longer panel discussion. Isles was asked about this concept that Christians speak about, the end times. Uh, given what's happening in the world at the moment, and perhaps the, the rapidly escalating conflict between Russia and Ukraine is another example of the sort of thing that people look at. Uh, given all these events, the moderator asked, are, are we in the end times? And what should we be doing? Well, well, Martin gave a great answer. He reminded us that Jesus tells his disciples when thinking about his own return in judgment, well, what does he say, Mark 13, 32? But about that day or hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So all the speculation about exactly when it happens is not only fruitless, but actually verging on disobedient. But I want to add to what Martin said, because the whole concept of the end times is actually often very badly misunderstood. Now, this concept of the end times is often spoken of as this discrete time at the very end of history, uh, you know, prior to when Jesus returns and, and, and a time when things will be especially terrible. And when we speak about the end times in this way, we tend to think it's either something yet to come or something that is beginning around us. And so we then look for indications that it actually is beginning. So hence the zealous interest in what country is invading what country and the attempts to identify obscure verses in Revelation and elsewhere. Uh, it's all somehow as, are they predictions of those conflicts and part of some end times series of events? Now, of course, the dual citizen will take an interest in all this. We are defined, aren't we, by our citizenship of heaven from where, let's remind ourselves, Philippians 3 verse 20, from where we await our saviour. So it's not wrong to consider what that might look like, but we need to pay attention to all of what the scriptures say and how they say it. And perhaps the most striking thing that we notice when we stop and read carefully is that God tells us in the Bible that the end times are actually something different to what we might have first thought or been told. 
And simply put, we see this, that the end times covers a far more extensive period of time than we might have thought. In the Bible, the end times begin in the incarnation. That is when Jesus comes. According to the scriptures, that is the end. Now, this may be a new thought for me. So let me, let me show you a couple of ways that the Bible expresses that. First, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And the word there for last is that word end. It's the Greek word eschatos, from where we get the word eschatology, the, the things of the end. Now note what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. When Jesus arrives in his incarnation, and it's an event that he says has already happened, well, that's the end. And it's the end because after Jesus' coming, there is quite literally nothing left to say. He spoke God spoke previously in the prophets, and now Jesus is God's final word. Or consider um, 1 Peter 1 verse 20. He, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Same word there, it's the eschatos, end times word. See, on both occasions, I think it's pretty clear that the end times or, or last times that's being referred to encompass not the, the very end of history, but the whole period of time beginning with the incarnation of Jesus. Or in other words, it's not just the second coming, but also the first. Now, of course, in other places, the language of the end is used of the second coming. But what we've got to see is that the overall picture, that the overall bigger concept of the end is, well, perhaps bigger than we've realized. Now, why is this important? Well, for a number of reasons. First, it gives us a more mature view of current events. See, when people ask, are we in the, the last days, as though it's some cataclysmic final moment that's arrived, we can answer, yes, we're in the last days, and we have been ever since Jesus came. It's the same with this language of tribulation, which has been popularized to mean some future time of deep hardship for the church. Uh, that way of thinking is actually a relative novelty in the church. It's, it's only really existed since the 19th century when this concept of a final rapture of God's people and this apocalyptic end time first began to be taught. But it is a novelty when it comes to Christian understanding, despite how popular it's become now due to books and even films based on the concept. So no, the tribulation, the hardship for Christians isn't some future event. It's happening right now as our brothers and sisters all over the world can testify. And perhaps it's only we, the fat, comfortable Western dual citizens, who can't see the time around us for what it really is. Shielded as we are from most of the hardship, the tribulation, that other Christians are going through. It also helps us take a, a far more sensible reading of texts like Revelation and, and the books in the Old Testament that it draws from. We need to stop scouring them for the faintest hint of a link with current events, as though the word of God was written only for us in our particular spot in history. Oh, it's actually quite arrogant, isn't it, to think it's all about us? No, Revelation and biblical literature like it speaks of general concepts. As, it name, as its name implies, it is an unveiling, but not of specific historical events. It shows us the broad sweep of history, the way things are in general, not individual moments. Perhaps a last word on this from, from deep in the Old Testament. Right at the end of Daniel, 
in the vision that Daniel receives, and it's a vision, not a video, we see one such picture of how things will end. As we move from chapter 11 to chapter 12 at the end there, there's this image of a great conflict and a final resurrection of all the living, some to a wonderful future and and others to something far, far worse. And then Daniel asks, chapter 12, verse 6, how long will it be till these astonishing things are fulfilled? He longs to know, and, and who can blame him? But the answer he gets is fascinating. Quote, it will be for a time, times, and half a time. Now, you can do two things with an answer like that. You could try and work out exactly what period each of those times stands for, do some really tricky, complicated calculations, and then try to pinpoint the date. Or you can receive it how it's meant to be received. It's symbolic. Time, that's one time. Times, that's two more times, and then half a time, so a total of three and a half times, whatever those times are. But that has a clear meaning. Three and a half is, and this is tricky maths now, half of seven. (laughs) And seven is so often the number of completion, of wholeness, and especially in this sort of writing. So it would be the equivalent of eternity in the language of time. So how long, Daniel asks, will it be till all of this happens? Well, the answer is three and a half times. That is half of eternity, which basically means not forever, which also basically means it's going to happen. And that's it. That's all he gets. It will happen. It won't be eternity till it happens. But there's more. Daniel's next question is also one we might resonate with. So verse eight, here's what he then says. I heard, but I did not understand. (laughs) Who can blame him? So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? So now he's basically asking, well, well, I don't know when it's going to be, but what's it going to look like? Will will there be a war? Will it be Russia invading the Ukraine or, or something starting with Iran or a nuclear bomb somewhere or whatever the current issue of the day is? Well, look at the answer he gets. Daniel 12, verse 9. He replied, go your way, Daniel because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. If I ever write a book on this topic, I want it to have the title, Go Your Way. What an answer, what a great answer to Daniel's insistence on knowing all the details. Go your way. Just keep doing your thing. Keep being faithful, Daniel. Keep trusting God. The words are sealed up. At some point, It'll be opened and you'll find out, but not now. The great reformer Martin Luther understood this well. He was once asked, what would you do if you knew Jesus was returning tomorrow? And he replied, plant an apple tree. That is, I just keep doing what I'm doing. And even the things that look like they're long term, I just keep at it. I'd go my way and let God worry about the timing and the details. So the dual citizen looks at the current turmoil in the world, and gosh, it's a mess at the moment. I mean, as we record this, it looks like Russia is going in hard into Ukraine. But we look at it all, and we realize, twas ever thus. As Jesus puts it, there will be wars and rumors of wars, but this is not the end. But we also know, don't we, that in many ways, the end has already come. It came over 2,000 years ago when God finished everything up by sending Jesus. So yes, he will return one day, 
but he has already come. It's done, it's finished, it's, 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 the result is in. And so we wait patiently for his return. When will it be? Well, perhaps we might answer, time, times, and half a time. What will it look like? Go your way. Calming words from God for troubling times. But then it's always been troubling times, hasn't it? Whenever and whatever those times may be. And Jesus is always in charge and we know he's coming back. Well, this was uh, Dual Citizens for another week. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, please let us know. Click like on the video. Do please subscribe and get notifications. Share about us on the socials. Uh, They're all available as well. Subscribe on the podcast. You know what to do. And we will see you again soon. My name is David Old, and this was Dual Citizens.